0: Hi, I'm Lucy Porter. And I'm Alexi Bolden. And this this is is Academia. academia. Well, I'm impressed by us,
1: honestly. I know. I'm impressed to be looking at you, to be sitting here today recording this fantastic episode.
0: (laughs) What what I'm proud of is the fact that we have not been in the same room in about five (laughs) months. And yet, (laughs) uh, despite all odds, we managed to get each other sick. Yeah, it's like when your
1: period sings, but this time with illness.
0: With with just, dare I say, the common cold.
1: Yeah, you texted me and said that your throat was hurting. And I was like, that's crazy. I guess I'm having sympathy hurt. Because mine hurts a little bit, too. <laughs> and
0: three days later, here we are. <laughs> the idea of having a sympathy cold for your friend is so funny. It's because I was watching Friends and I was at the episode where Phoebe was giving birth. And Joey
1: was like... um, also like having like sympathy pains of her like having um contractions but it just turns out he's passing a kidney stone
0: oh that's so funny i don't remember that episode
1: it's like season five or four no 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 yeah. no, no it's like season maybe like three because season four is when they this is really annoying um oh no it's season Wait, four gets pregnant in
0: season, season three that feels so
1: early it's season four because they find phoebe finds her mom at the beginning beginning of season four her real mom and then her mom gives uh-huh. her test of giving away a puppy to see if she can give away her babies um so that's season four walking that what answer what the in.
0: hell <laughs>
1: <laughs> you had to be there you had to be there in the 90s yeah
0: apparently man but yeah i i'm proud of us for pulling our shit together and podcasting yeah. despite all odds
1: yeah it's like when michael jordan played that game with a hundred
0: degree fever it's exactly like that. It's nevertheless she persisted, but nevertheless she podcasted. Women can do anything. It's true now. <laughs> it's now is in a post-Barbie world, women can do anything. Yeah, Barbie <laughs> was
1: the movement that we needed. Forget the suffragettes. Forget whatever else we suffered yes. through.
0: Oh my god. It's like, who cares if we can vote as long as we can see Barbie?
1: Actually, it's actually people are actually taking that stance now. They're like, like dead ass they're like oh man what? i don't want to be I, I who cares if we have the right to vote i want to be a stay-at-home wife and people are like why are you doing this <laughs>
0: what but it's also like i feel like you can do both like yeah. you can vote and be a stay-at-home mom
1: yeah no one is forcing you to vote i will say that a lot of people don't vote so many
0: people don't vote <laughs> <laughs> you can exercise there's
1: The thing to highlight about that is that they chose not to vote, right? They choose to be a stay-at-home mom. It used to never be a choice.
0: Yeah. Women's right to lobotomy.
1: (laughs) Women's rights, women's wrongs, women's neutrals.
0: I I love that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's like Vindy V. V, V.
0: (laughs) We came, we saw, we chose to not (laughs) do anything. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know what I want to choose to do? What? I want to choose to bring in the guest. Lucy, who is the guest today? <laughs> I told you, I told you I was gonna get really good at transitions, and, and here we are. You're
1: warming up your word.
0: Oh my god, I'm so excited about this guest. I met this guest at the world-famous series fest film festival in Denver, Colorado,
1: mm-hmm.
0: where they were there premiering, maybe not premiering, but showing their new independent pilot. Um, which is phenomenal and I can't wait to talk about it. Um, new friend, quick friend, good friend, please welcome to the podcast actor, writer, producer, James Patrick Nelson.
2: Hi. Hi how are you? <laughs> <It was> like- <laughs> I was sitting there throughout that entire like initial bit when you were talking about Denver and about my project, like wanting to respond to every single thing that you said with like a yes (laughs) queen or a thank you or an oh my God, that's so sweet. You know, I was like, when am I allowed? Once my name is said, I can start talking.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. It's like, it's like the reverse jinx. (laughs) You're
2: allowed to speak once
0: we say your name.
2: (laughs) That's right. That's right.
0: Welcome to the podcast, buddy.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to see I I have seen you in in real life uh, off Zoom. recently, uh, and <laughs> it's a joy
0: is... and a privilege to have to have a coffee and a little lunch just like out Seriously. on a patio with a new friend. Dream come true.
2: I was like with somebody the other day and it was like, oh, so-and-so got COVID, so like let's meet outside like and make sure to like, you know, not hug and stay six feet away. Oh my God, that's
0: away. so but, retro. That's was, so twenty twenty. It feels
2: retro. It feels so like surely that was like a lifetime ago, but it was just last year that we were we were oh. in a state about that stuff. When
0: we were forced to have picnics.
2: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Which is I live right by Prospect Park in Brooklyn. So there's the the mm-hmm. part of me that was enchanted by the by the well, no. <laughs> no. Strike that reverse it. Like it's the constant balance like lately of like knowing that like it was an un- I think a lot of us are on the same page about this, like knowing obviously that it was an awful thing that necessitated Mm -hmm. the limitations that we, that we lived under and that it was that so many people died and that it was horrible and that there was so much divisiveness about it. And at the same time, I, and I feel like a lot of my creative peers and friends, like we keep reckoning with the value that we got out of it, that there was something, um, I mean aside yeah. from just having like time to do whatever I please and having the park nearby like it was a really uh, extraordinary moment to have all the externals go away and to be like I'm the only one who gets to decide what my creative worth is. I'm not oh, totally gonna, like habitually put all of my power into like random strangers on the other sides of the desk or the other sides of bars to like tell me what my value is because none of that's around for the next like 6 months or 7 months mm-hmm. or 3 years. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I think this is something that like we talk about all which is the act of just slowing down for a bit or having mm-hmm. sometimes people will make the comment of man I wish I was sick just what I could have a day off of work and it's very yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. It it just gives that same energy. It's like dang, we really we live in a world where you rather feel ill just to lay down for a second. So you'd rather have things stop just so you can enjoy a picnic in the park with your friends for one moment.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 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 may we may we all reckon with that and then figure out how to move forward into a world where we can make that space for ourselves without a global catastrophe going along yeah. with it and good luck to us good luck to Marley.
0: i'm in this lull space right now between gigs where it's like i have a lot of free time and free time that i don't necessarily have to like Pack with writing where like we finished the short I was working on and now I'm waiting for my next job to start again so there's like a lot of downtime and I've been feeling like guilty about that downtime mm-hmm. and how much I've been able to just like lay in my bed and read a book and sit on my floor and like sew and do all these like very like slow gentle purposeful things that feel very like romanticized yeah. and it's like oh no it's okay mm-hmm. for me to just like walk to go get like a coffee on a Wednesday yeah like, that's okay
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so like healing to realize because it's it, there was it, there was a growing up period that happened with that with that experience because there was mm-hmm. my tv my tv pilot that you you mentioned deals a lot with like parent-child di- dynamics yeah. as folks hopefully will we'll see in due course and whenever the show comes out and it was um I remember as a kid always feeling like I would look at my parents or I would look at a, uh, folks of a different generation and I would have a sense of like, is that all there is? You know, when you mm-hmm. when you still haven't created your life yet, you look at people doing simple things or things that could be thought of as um, too like domesticated or too um, – T- tiresome in their, you know, simplicity, and I think, like, guess ah, that's that can't be all that there is. I want to live a life of of adventure and romance and beauty yeah. and, and all this amazing people and the excitement of everything. And I do still want that, and I and I have that, but. But we never know like all the, the breadth and the beauty of people's inner lives necessarily because we can only share that with people to such a degree. And there was a, a, a sense in the pandemic of like, oh, the best part of my day is walking down this little path under this tree. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's beautiful and romantic, but also incredibly like simple and easy and not something that anybody would write a book about or something that I could put in my bio, you know, or something that anybody would give <laughs> me like, an, award, <laughs> an award for or something, you know, but it's like, but it was, but it was everything and it was enough. And it made me, it made me speculate about so many other people that I've, you know, encountered in my life and how how yeah. much beauty and dynamics might be going on inside them while they do something very, very simple like
0: Yeah. That. Oh my God, stunning. You mentioned it a little bit, but will you tell us a bit about your pilot For Years to Come?
2: For Years to Come is an irreverent romantic dramedy about a young gay man who falls in love with his dead mother's hospice nurse while struggling to reconcile with his elderly father who was secretly a porn director.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Level. <Gotcha. laughs>
2: That's the story. And it's uh, it's it's some of it is inspired by a, a true story. I did not fall in love with my mother's hospice nurse. Uh, I did discover when my mother was dying that my father used to be a porn director. Um, and, Wild. and, and, and he, for years, it was like there had. I have to. I know I'm going to make a piece of art about this someday, and it was. It's been an absolute thrill the last uh, several months to be playing at film festivals yeah. all over the country and experiencing uh, the reactions that people are having. And I can't wait to to get to make more as soon as as soon as we're able.
1: To. I'm excited to see. Mm-hmm. It. it sounds fantastic, and from what I've heard, it sounds amazing. Yeah,
0: it is like touching and truly so funny. Oh yay!
2: Thank I think you. a reference is great enough.
0: word. I, I loved, I think that's nail on the head.
2: That really means a lot to me to hear that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, we have um, an amazing team of folks that put it together. I'm still so humbled and moved and grateful whenever I look at it and, and I see the great artistry of the the camera team and the G&E team and the the music. We got uh, this band, Cloud Cult, this amazing band I recommend to everybody called Cloud Cult uh, that I'd always um, been inspired by. I just reached out to them one day and said, like a lot of these lyrics and these themes in your songs really resonate with the story that I'm wanting to mm-hmm. tell. Is there any way that we could collaborate? And they 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 worked with us and licensed like all of my favorite songs like to the project. Oh, so it like just that, even before we had an audience was already like such a win. It's so um, sweet. We have we have Richard Reilly, who people recognize from Office Space mm-hmm. and Grounded for Life and Fried Green Tomatoes and Free Willy and The Fugitive and Mysterious Skin and like hundreds of projects uh, playing my father. So that that was a great uh, joy to get to work with him.
0: Oh. It's also been really cool, like on an individual personal level, getting to know you, Jamie, where it's like, I think you and your project have been like a really great role model for me as somebody who's like stepping into the independent film space more. Aww. Like it's been Aww. it's been cool to see you because I met you at my first film festival. And then to sort of track along as you've come out to LA for dances with films and Outfest and Holly Shorts and all of these festivals out here, it's been really cool to see your trajectory and have it like demystified on a level of like this is personal Whoa. and this is human and this is like within reach in a way that's been really um i'm really fortunate
2: totally like, within to reach. have
0: gotten to know you
2: it's always very like lovely to hear things like that because of course from from inside like i i one always has a, a humility about how new a lot of this is for for me too, you know, because I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, totally. I've, I've worked in the theater a lot and I've, and I've made a handful of indie films, but this is the, this is the first thing that I feel like I've really made that I think is, is closer than anything else to, to representing the kind of work I want to make in the future. And, um, probably the thing I'm most proud of. So it oh. really means a lot that the yes. that other people are resonating with it too, you know, and I'm excited for your film. My goodness. It sounds oh. fabulous.
0: It's going to be a hoot and a half. I'll tell you that much.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Just the couple of photos that I've seen already. I'm like, uh, yes, yes, and. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, and. Speaking
0: of yes,
1: and. That's improv. Take it away, girl. <laughs> our next segment is all about yes anding the prompt. So Jamie, our next segment of Academia is called the IQ test. Now, Jamie, we know that you know that we know that you know that IQ tests are based in eugenics. And we here at Academia are against everything eugenics stands for. And so to combat that. we Sorry, have made- not sorry. <laughs> to combat that, we've made our own IQ test based off of kindness and friendship and testing you in the way that academics
0: want to know you. Your brain eugenics more like fun genics am i right all right <laughs> so without further ado we're gonna ask you a series of rapid fire <laughs> questions just to gauge your uh levels of academic success and capability quite frankly um so without further ado alexi take it away jamie fabulous
1: which one will have a longer lasting impact hard rock cafe or rainforest cafe okay.
2: Oh goodness. Well, I'm oh, I'm compelled to say hard rock because I'm just more familiar with it to be honest because mm-hmm. it's the theater that we've been playing at uh, a couple festivals this summer is basically right next door to the Hard Rock Cafe. So, it's been <laughs> blaring in my face <laughs> for um, for the whole summer in Rainforest. I, I I regret to say I'm not too familiar. You got go. to go. Rainforest
0: Cafe needs to do more partnerships with film festivals. I'll say that.
2: Hmm. fierce.
0: That's the next frontier for them. Okay, Jamie, what kind of pizza can you make with a Justin Trudeau?
2: (laughs) Oh, a meat lovers pizza. I mean, that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. (laughs) A meat lovers pizza. Alexi, I
0: see you being stumped. It's a pun where the his last name is Trudeau, like pizza dough.
1: Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. My
2: bad.
0: My bad.
1: Yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I
2: didn't even go there. I was just like, "See,
0: <laughs> Lucy, I'm breaking it down for everybody."
2: I was just like, "Justin is very handsome, and pizza is very yeah. tasty, and meat lovers is <laughs> it, it sounds really gay in a way that I'm all about." You know.
0: You know, the question is good when you have to explain it to the guest
1: yeah. and the <laughs> co <And> I <I'm> bravely <laughs> showed on my face my confusion so that everyone could be on the same page.
0: <laughs> You're an ally, Alexi, <laughs> Quite frankly, <laughs> Jamie,
1: Ferris Wheel mm. or Ferris Bueller?
2: Ooh, I mean, uh, uh, false choice. Both. I think like young Matthew mm. Broderick, like up, up high at the top, just the two of us with a lovely sunset view of the sea in the background. Aww. I don't want that. Yeah,
0: it's a dream come true, Jamie. If you can picture frame. Can you picture a world where people can live in harmony?
2: <laughs> yes, I can. Whoa. Yes, I can. I look forward to it. Brave. That's huge for the community. Jamie. <laughs> it's important.
1: What if yes. we're the ones abducting the aliens?
2: Great. <gasps> Great. What 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 if we're the ones abducting the aliens? Meaning that, meaning that, like we're like off on another planet somewhere, and we're going to take them back and bring them back to our planet. Meaning, however, you uh, interpret uh, the question. Fascinating. I mean, like if it, if there's the part of me that wonders if we've already done that. I would. I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. But like, if it was sounds like it. If there were already aliens in this in this planet, I feel like I feel like I've I've met a few of them <laughs> living in New York City. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and and if we've yet to do this, I I just hope that we would do it. Uh, I hope it wouldn't be abduction. I hope it would be like a wonderful, harmonious, like, hi, nice to meet you. We come from different cultures. We mean you no harm. Like, come over onto our ship so that we can, like, have lovely podcasty conversations <laughs> with each other where we teach each other things. You know? When
0: the aliens get here, they absolutely will take over podcasting. Yeah.
2: Oh, my God. Girl, seriously. And I want to want to. I would this. listen to whatever they sound like. <laughs> yes. Yes.
0: Okay, Jamie, final question. Pick one the sound of music the sound in the fury or the sound of a light rain on a cloudy day when you don't have to leave your apartment and you can just sort of cuddle up and be cozy
2: oh goodness see see oh, see you 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 you're vibing with the third one like you're making gestures and <laughs> saying things that's very like you want me to say the third one and i i feel would like-
0: never i would never tamper with the results
2: See, I feel like if, if I was indulging in the third one, I would probably add the first one to that because there's (gasps) something about like sound of music feels like a perfect, like home all day with a light rain outside. Like Mm. no, no, no shame about, uh, about, about just being romantic and luxurious in bed. Like
0: I dream come true.
2: I would, I would have a, a lusty goat herd all day long, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think, what are the okay. lyrics of it? Because it's so, yeah, must have done something good. Somebody, I said that to somebody recently in the context of some conversation. I can't remember. That story <laughs> is like is enchanting. Julie Andrews is, is
0: a
1: star.
2: Queen.
0: She a is star. everything to me.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. I love
0: her. I um, mourned when I aged out of playing Liesl. I wanted to play Um, Liesel so bad, and when um, I like got like too tall and too old and had not played Liesel yet, it was a very sad day in my
1: life. Well, you'd be like Ariana Grande, and when you're famous enough, just re, um, put the thing on.
2: I've aged. Sorry, this is this. The thing is, like, it's hard for me to watch Sound of Music these days because I'm older than Captain Von Trapp. You're kidding. I'm like. I'm Captain Von Trapp is 34 in that movie. Christopher what? Plummer, the actor. What? The actor Christopher Plummer is 34 in that movie.
0: No. Ridiculous. I saw that. I'm like, Ridiculous. that's like a 50-year-old man. That's He's crazy. 34.
2: He's 34, and Julie Andrews is like maybe 29, maybe 30, oh. maybe 31. Like, it's very so. There's like dialogue in one of my new screenplays about this. About like I'm older than Mary Poppins. I'm older than Maria <laughs> von Trapp. Like how is that a thing that could ever happen? Because <laughs> oh we God. see movies, and this this speaks to maybe what we'll talk about in a, in a little bit. Like we see movies as a kid, and if they cement themselves in our imagination, especially if they're the kind of films like like sound of music and mary poppins and so forth where where there where there's such iconography where the characters are 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 mythic in our mm-hmm. in our creative imaginations it, it, it's perplexing to think that they ever actually had an age that you could ever be older than them because instinctively like we're always going to be a kid and mary poppins is always going to yes. be mary poppins and maria von trapp like but she was like 29 yeah
1: well, you've teased it now, Jamie. So I have to ask you the topic that you brought in today. what has academia ignored for too long?
2: So I'm really like contemplative lately about queer narratives in cinema i mean for mm-hmm. for for obvious reasons because we we are in an era where there is more progress in queer storytelling than ever before. And as such, like me and all of my peers who want to make f- films and TV that have majority queer ensembles, um, we're very contemplative about um, what are the steps still yet to, to make. And mm-hmm. so, you know, all of this has been very much on my mind uh, lately. Um, it was I mean, it was series fest where we met Lucy. Like it, that was the first festival that my pilot played at that wasn't like an LGBTQ plus space. Oh, necessarily. okay. And it was, it was fascinating to have like b- delightful, wonderful, straight audience members like come <laughs> up to me and be like, oh my God, you guys are just like us with this like <laughs> minds blown kind of quality, you know? And I, and, and it was wonderful because. Yeah, I was that's very, a crazy
0: thing to go up to somebody and say, that's really it nice. Was, <laughs> it
2: was, I and mean, yeah, it was a little, it was, it was, perform- maybe you could call it performative allyship or you could call it, um gold star for trying or i'm having the balance of like being so thankful for my audience and also wanting to like you know (laughs) clock the you know because i was intent on this piece being something that would appeal to straight people and to queer people and i think it does um but i realized holy smokes like Netflix knows that I'm gay because like I search gay content and then suddenly like every single thumbnail is a hot dude with his shirt off or two dudes (laughs) with their heads. You just
0: have love, Victor. It's it's for you and it's love, Victor, love, Victor, love, Simon, love, Victor, love, Victor.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or the like, or or a lot, a lot of amazing uh, queer content uh, in foreign countries, or but also a mm-hmm. lot of like a lot of shows where it's like there's maybe five minutes of gay content in five hours of a show, but the thumbnail yes. makes me think it's like the opposite, and so I'm like fast forwarding through all these other plots that I don't care about, waiting for some gay people to be gay. Um, but it, but but because I was so. Uh, contemplative about this stuff the last couple of years, writing some of my projects and getting this pilot ready. Like I was looking back at the, at, at the cinema of my, that we, that we grew up with. And like, what is it that, um, where, where were the narratives like planted that we're needing to dismantle now? And what were, what were the limitations in the stories that, uh, that were told when I was a kid in the nineties and the two thousands that, um, that, could stand to be tweaked or could stand to be revised. Um, mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it initially in the context of like, what are movies that weren't gay, but should have been. And I have one in particular yeah. that i that I'm, that I'm compelled to talk about, but, but it was occurring to me this morning as I was getting ready for this, like there were actually a lot of like looking back at the, like the late nineties, the the movies that like most influenced me as a, as just an artist in general, I realized that actually most of them were pretty gay, but like gay, like I'm thinking, like the ones that come to mind are American Beauty, Talented Mr. Ripley, The Hours, and Gods and Monsters. Like all beautifully made films, all late nineties when I was like, I was 13 in 1999. So like the, the, just the beginning of going to see films that were meant for, for more mature audiences, Um, Mm -hmm. such poetry to all those films, such kind of romance in different ways to all those films. But then I realized this morning Spoilers ahead! Like American Beauty and Talented Mr. Ripley, the gay people are murderers. And in The Hours and In Gods and Monsters, the gay people commit suicide. (laughs) So (laughs) the two options. (laughs) The two options you're either you're either going to kill people or you're going to get killed or you're probably Mm going to get killed because you kill people. Like that. Those were the those were the the only tropes, the only like narratives that queer characters could have in the fifties and sixties and seventies and so forth. And strange to think that they. Persisted. Um, but, but the, the, the one film that really, I want to think of a sequence of these, but the one film that was on my mind recently where there isn't any queerness, but I keep feeling like there should be, um, yeah. Is Pleasantville? Do you guys remember Pleasantville?
0: Absolutely.
1: And this is my blind spot because you were talking about '90s movies, and I am d- not super up to date on them at all. So, what is Pleasantville? Mm-hmm. What what is the?
2: So, for those who who for, so to the and and forgive me that I'm going to spoil a lot of it for you, Alexi. But it's <laughs> I think we can was, spoil
0: Pleasantville. I think we'll be okay
2: because <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a minute it was a couple decades ago. It was <laughs> it was like late '90s, '98, '99. And uh, Reese Witherspoon and Tobey Maguire are siblings, high school students, and uh, she's the sort of like more popular girl, very sex positive. And, and he's a sort of more, quote unquote, dorky kid who, who loves this uh, 1950s uh, sitcom, Leave it to Beaver, uh, Father Knows Best kind of black and white sitcom um, called Pleasantville and magically this this guy shows up with a with a magic uh, remote control one night and um and the two of them get sucked into the tv show so suddenly like they're in a black and white world where where uh the mom and dad in the tv show played by bill macy and um and um joan allen um Look at the, think that they're the kids on the TV show, and everybody mm-hmm. looks at them like they're the kids on the TV show, and they're only they remember who they really are. So they're wandering around with all this like uncertainty about, oh my god, it's the fifties and it's black and white, and and all of these weird things that are. There's no toilets because it's a TV show, so there's no toilets. You know, <laughs> nobody ever swears. Nobody ever. You know. Um, and, and gradually, because of these 90s kids' uh, influence in this world, as much as they try initially to to play along and pretend to be the 50s characters, their presence gradually starts to influence everybody, and there's a greater interest in art, and uh, um, Jeff Daniels, who works at the soda shop, really wants to be a painter, and he starts to do murals on the windows. and. And a lot of the other kids start to like go off to Lover's Lane and have sex in the back of their cars, and and gradually, as art and sex and and uh, women's liberty and, and free thought uh, start to become more and more present in this town because of these these two kids' uh, presence there, gradually everybody starts to turn Technicolor um, to represent that. I love that. Yes, it's really beautiful. It's a good it's, movie. <laughs> it's a really beautiful I've never movie, heard it right and now. it's. I definitely recommend watching it. it. It's. It it pains me to to be critical of it at all because it is by so many metrics a, a beautiful movie. Um, but it was very interesting to watch it recently and see how completely devoid of queerness it was on its face, because. Because it, it felt like a constant queer allegory yes. to me. Like I was, I was watching it, and I was like, "Oh, a, a, a conservative town suddenly is observing that all of the younger people are being a lot more sexually liberated." And they're going to the library and as a result, like people are burning <laughs> books on a bonfire, and mm-hmm. people are people have got sexually like uh, subversive things painted on the on the um, the window of the soda shop and as a result people are throwing bricks at the soda shop window and destroying it. Like it, it there was so much that felt like that feel like what's going on in Florida right now, that feels like the Ron DeSantis agenda, that feels like mm-hmm. I, I, I can't look at a story about a, a conservative a conservative society reacting against sexual liberty without it w- without it invariably being gay in my mind's eye like today because that's yes. what's happening today you it's know?
0: literally bringing color and vibrancy into a community that yes, that
2: yes yeah and there's so many scenes that are like like there's a scene in um in there's a scene when Joan Allen, who brilliantly, brilli- its a beautiful scene—brilliantly plays the the mom, who who is doing the sort of perfect, pitch-perfect performative housewife 1950s on a sitcom thing for the first several scenes of it. Um, her daughter teaches her about masturbation, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, and uh, like she, she asks her daughter what's sex, you know, um, and her daughter explains it to her. you know, um, but there's, there's a scene when she turns Technicolor for the first time and mm-hmm. she's sort of like hovered over the sink, terrified about it. And Tobey Maguire comes in and she turns to him and she's got tears in her eyes and her face is is peach instead of gray. And and she's like, I can't go out there this way. I can't go out there this way. My husband will see me. This is going to be awful. Um and Toby says, "Well, do you have any makeup?" And they do this beautiful scene where they cover up her face with sort of gray, white makeup so that nobody will be able to tell. And it's gorgeous. And instinctively, when I watch it, it's like this is what happens when gender nonconforming folks go back to their unsupportive families for Thanksgiving or Christmas, mm-hmm. and they have to actively like defem or, or 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 you know you're a trans woman but you have to put on boys clothes or, mm-hmm. or vice versa like because your parents are not going to accept anything else like it, i couldn't think of anything else when i watched that scene in the movie and then some scenes later when the when the um when a lot more people have turned technicolor and there's no way that she can hide what's happened to her anymore there's another beautiful scene between her and and her husband william h Macy. Where uh, where she's deciding to like leave him basically and she's packed him she's packed a few lunches and made a meatloaf that's in the stove and he's gonna have to learn how to like cook himself, even though men didn't do that in the fifties and and, <laughs> and 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 that he, man is gonna have to f-
0: chop a carrot, god damn it.
2: He's going to have to use an actual like cutting board for like a hot second. (laughs) My God, it's, they make it, it's, it's satirical. Like they make it incredibly high stakes. They're like, there's no dinner in that. There's no dinner in Mm -hmm. in that. Where's my dinner? Where's my dinner? But, but that scene, it's a beautiful scene that everybody always like relates to like, like to a doll's house, the Ibsen play. Like it it has a, a gorgeous, nuance to it this 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 wife assisted uh, insisting on her her independence and and the validity the validity of her own identity separate from him but there's mm-hmm. also so much in it that feels like a like a coming out scene in a way. Like, totally. Like he's he's insisting to her again, you're going to put on some makeup, you're going to stay home, you're going to put on some makeup. It goes away, it'll go away. And she like gets really on the brink of tears with him and is like, I don't want it to go away, you know? And it was, mm-hmm. and it, it's so, it makes me want to cry thinking about it now. Like it was always so beautiful ever since I saw it in the nineties. But it's fascinating to look back and think like, as a kid, maybe I thought it was just resonating with me in a, in a general kind of empathic emotional way. And now I look back and I'm like, that's, that's gay. You know, that's like, that's all the like queer kids who were told by their families like, Oh, just, just pray it away. Just like, think, you know, think good thoughts and, and, and you'll, and you'll, you'll get over this phase, you know, and all of us having to be like, no, we won't, you know? So it's,
1: you talked about when you saw it for the first time as a kid, like that's, and now that you're watching it, like as an adult, as someone who's been through all these life experiences, you have a different lens, like that you're viewing it with. And I think exactly. that's something that is very, I think I, I'll be interested, I guess, in what movies from like right now, like that people are growing up and watching, and they watch a couple of years from now, because I feel that maybe movies are really heavy-handed in the message they're trying to get across. And if um, Pleasantville is really trying to, like, maybe it, there's somebody like the writers were like. Okay, wink, wink. Like this is about queerness.
2: It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like there's a there's a there's a balance of like I love that a film can maybe contain so much that audiences like me will will see that and be moved by it, or and, and other audiences will come at it from a completely different angle. Like it's amazing to create a piece of art that can encompass so many different worldviews. And at the same time, there's the part of me that is just done with marginalized communities' stories being told as allegory. Mm, totally. I mean, I'd be, I'd be curious, Alexi, for to hear your experience after you watch this film, because I think as a, as a woman of color, I think it might actually be more, uh, even resonant the the a, a BIPOC reaction to this film, which is not. I don't presume to be able to to speak to from my own lived experience, obviously, but it's like they. Like literally, it's a cast of entirely white people, and at the end of the.
1: I started to figure from the name I alone, Reese Witherspoon. I was already there, yeah. But, yeah. It's, but it's
2: but it's so like <laughs> so subtle. It, it, it was it was very striking when I watched it again because it's like it's a cast of entirely white people, and towards the end of the movie, in this like courtroom scene, it's literally like all of the black and white white people are downstairs, and all of the Technicolor white people are upstairs. Mm-hmm. -hmm. So it's like they're doing this really heavy-handed use of people turning Technicolor as an allegory for racism in the 1950s, which is brilliantly done in some respects. And also, I watched it and I was like, I would like to have like black people get to tell their Mm -hmm. own stories. Thank you very much. Like, do you know what I'm saying? You and me
1: both.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I feel the same way about about queerness, the sense of like, I love that there's so much that I'm like reading into this that feels like it resonates with my queer experience. And I would love to see more films that could actually mm-hmm. just be uh, unapologetic about it, where it didn't have to be allegory, where it didn't have to be metaphor, yeah. where, like, if this movie was made today, I would really want Toby Maguire's character to be gay, mm-hmm. you know, because... Because that could, that even more so than the, the the racial subject matter in the film, like that could, that could have worked. There's like a, there's a part in the film where the hot cheerleader who's supposed to like fall in love with some other character in the film sort of gets a crush on Toby Maguire's character and wants to go out on a date with him. And he's initially very like tentative about it because the, the plot of the sitcom is supposed to be that she goes out with this other guy. And, but then he's like, no, I want to, because I really like this girl. And so they go out. And yeah. And I, and I look at it and I'm like, this could just as easily be like, you know, a character in the sitcom who was always supposed to be a straight person because it was only ever straight people. But then mm. Toby's presence like creates a queer romance in a, in a world that isn't, um, that isn't, uh, accustomed to having queer romances. And then you actually have, uh, the real thing. Then you actually have like what's being commented on, uh, being present instead of it just being, um, allegory that like he's still in black and white and he falls in love with a woman who's turned into technicolor. And then the bullies use sort of racially Mm -hmm. coded language to describe her, even though she's still like a blonde white woman, but she's in technicolor. Like it, it would just be nice to, to be, to stop being allegory. It would be nice for us all to get to actually tell our own stories.
1: I guess, do you have any films now that you were like, this is a, this is a fantastic representation, like of queerness, of a love, of a gay love story that I like, want children to watch, like to affirm, I guess, their, mm. their identities?
2: Mm. Oh, that's a that I would want children to watch to affirm their identities. That's, that's, that's a good question. Thank you. A film. That's a good <laughs> question. It's, it's tough because there is, there is still a lot of queer cinema that, that, that leans into, um sexuality and and Mm -hmm. so every parent every parent has to decide like at what age like is it appropriate do they feel it's appropriate for their kids to start watching you know which is a whole separate conversation from like You know, the the folks in this country who still think that any mention of queerness in any context Mm -hmm. is inherently sexual and therefore inherently inappropriate for children. That's incredibly like fucked up and unacceptable and has yielded a lot of like pain and and, and misfortune of late in this country.
1: I think that it's always a creative choice when like, I think that there are sometimes in movies and films when people decide when... Ha- to have monologues say, like, what the film is trying to say. And I yes. dislike that um, mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm a show don't say person or don't tell. Um, mm-hmm. And I also feel that, like, I agree with you in terms of, like, marginalized people shouldn't always have to have theirs, the, like, their um, th- they shouldn't have to be, like, background characters. that are like, oh, but of course we know that's happening. But anyway, back to, like, the original story. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm, like, I'm thinking of all the times where maybe people felt like they had to be, like, wink, wink, nudge about um being allies or like so i i agree with like the idea of like not being quiet about like supporting queerness or like having queer characters on tv and and films and also like sometimes it's a creative choice to be like i shouldn't have to tell you you should like this should be a normal um, this is the reality of this
2: um yeah moment yeah because it it, because it's when it is allegory when it is when when it's purely treated as as metaphor it's so easy for um for anybody who isn't of that experience to not notice it and therefore uh ignore it and and then not you know and then we don't make any of the the progress in the real world that we need to make you know like it's not it's not enough when, when there's so much violence and, and hatred and bigotry and like, and this year in particular, a lot of really virulent uh, anti LGBTQ plus uh, legislation mm-hmm. going on. Like it's not enough to just sort of compassionately sit back and be like, Oh, I see like, I see like some interesting thematic echoes in there. You know, like yes. the, the, the scene it's terrifying. The scene where, um, where Jeff Daniels character in Pleasantville has painted, um, has painted this really uh, beautiful like borderline one of the, he does a Christmas mural that's very Cubist almost, but before that it's <laughs> a, a somewhat more traditional um, nude of, of Joan Allen um, on the window intending to be provocative of naturally but then there's a, there's this this angry mob that like shows up and is freaking out looking at this nude picture on the on the and they start throwing bricks and they eventually like get a big park bench and smash the park bench through the window and then they jump inside the soda shop and tear everything apart and 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 um and the and the, the, the small cohort of like the 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 queer bipoc like folks that are you know metaphorically like in the in the piece are um are sort of like hiding, like in a distance, like watching their, their safe space be destroyed and then come back there like at nightfall when they're, when everybody else is gone. And it, and it's, again, it's beautiful filmmaking, but I look at it and it's like, this is, people are throwing, you know, people are throwing, uh, bricks and bombs into the windows of, of, you know, donut shops because they host drag queen story hours or into mm-hmm. the into the windows of, of gay bars in New York. So it's like this this is this kind of stuff is actually happening all over the place. And I think if we don't actually say it like for what it is, um, it's easier for people to be to digest it, to accept and- it. To just accept it, and I'm, and I'm, I think I'm probably just as guilty of that as anybody else. Like it's, it's, it's overwhelming how much uh, activism is uh, is necessary right now. Yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of us feel a great urgency for our art to. Um,
0: it's not enough for Disney Pixar to release a new film where a person made of water is "quote unquote" non-binary, and then it just never comes up in the film. But yeah, people publicize it like the first non-binary blob of water.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: Yeah, because yeah. shape of water wasn't had- good enough. <laughs>
0: yeah
2: that was well yeah Richard Jenkins was queer in that movie that's right and and constantly getting rejected and but um I guess like in terms of me saying I I want you to show don't tell is
1: like Mm -hmm. in in the aspect of like this is normal this is like this is a normal thing that's happening um Mm -hmm. and I also that's how I want my books to be so I guess I just kind of want books to be like movies um because it's like obviously (laughs) I'll, I'll discuss I'll go on Goodreads I think that's what Letterboxd likes the function of it now but I'll go on, like, Goodreads after i read a book and, and I'll be able to, like, like oh, you recognize that too? Or, like, this like this thing that happened in Chapter 2, now uh, the through line of it in Chapter 9 or something. Mm. That's I'm like, okay, mm. this thing that was brought up in, like, the first 10 minutes of the movie is then, like, also delved into later and in, like, minute 80. And also, um, you were talking about violence, Jamie, and, like, in, in films and like, in real life. And I always, um, I guess, I find it interesting when, like, we have creative projects that like people are writing of that would be short films tv uh, web series mm. movies all of this like to include violence put
0: some respect behind web series i know that's and I, right
1: and i will <laughs> um have you seen lucy's web series awkward black girl the web series before i became insecure um and those are my two <laughs> notices about web series um but it's like um, it doesn't have to be a fantastic world, but it could be. Like, it could be one where violence doesn't exist. It could be one where, like, a queer couple gets to sit down at dinner and nobody bothers them, like, in the middle mm-hmm. of, like, the, a super conservative state. Like, kind of like Shit's Creek, how Shit's Creek operated, like, when Dan mm-hmm. Levy was, like, like it's normal. Like, we don't need... Like, totally. But I, I also understand that people, there are people out there who want to hurt you um, just for being yourself. And so to mm-hmm. ignore that in, in anyone's writing, it, it's, like might not be truthful for them, but I'm always like, well, like let's pretend it doesn't exist, but that doesn't mean the problem goes away.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I have to, I'm, I have to keep cognizant of my privileges of which, of which there are many. Like when I, when, when I'm talking about, uh, my project, my pilot, and whenever there's like discourse that my peers or, or, or colleagues get into about, uh, uh, coming out stories or, or changing the narrative of, of queer representation. It's like, I, I want to, uh, I have to acknowledge that homophobic violence and, and, and really difficult coming out narratives, experiences that, that, that all of that still happens in the world. Like no question about it. And we're more aware this year and in recent years of it still happening than I think we were even before, but. So it's not to discount that when I when I speculate about other kinds of stories that I want to tell, but I know I uh, I often um, I I I often I felt very sort of self conscious a lot in, in like the years right before COVID living in New York thinking I'm I'm. Gay and young in the post-marriage equality era, living on the Mm -hmm. coasts, working in the arts, didn't have too difficult of a coming out experience, and I never really encountered a lot of violence. Therefore, my life should just be great, right? Question mark, question mark. Mm. Yeah, like there was this sense of because I have all of these privileges and have generally sort of like uh gotten through easily enough all of those sort of queer specific quote-unquote uh challenges surely everything should be great right why am i still sad sometimes and then i would get like i would blame myself for still being vulnerable and sad sometimes and i had to have this reckoning of like oh no you're sad sometimes because you're a human being like you get (laughs) there's a there's a there's a confusion at first about it because the only times that queer folks most of the time appear in any leading role in film and TV it still mostly is a narrative of like it's hard to come out it's hard to live in this homophobic mm-hmm. society it's hard to to deal with these bullies but once you can get out of this town and get on a bus and go to New York and go to a gay bar everything's going to be great is always the it's a it's a it's a, a, a narrative trend that arose out of the it gets better movement which was essential and urgent when when there was so much teen suicide occurring like it was essential but i'm now really keen on the idea of like gay people are human beings to such an extent that even if you are privileged enough to be past the coming out phase past you know, away from homophobic bullying or violence, like there's still a whole lot of other challenges that you're going to deal with because you're Mm -hmm. a human in the world.
1: I think that's a very valid point of like, you see this legislation that's been passed and that kind of feels like you've been working so hard. You and your community have been working so hard to like get these, like these issues, like kind of in front of people. And like, yes, like I want like same sex marriage, like that is all I'm asking for. And then like if the bill is passed, like it becomes, it becomes like this thing. Everyone's like, yes, we all agree on this. And then Everyone expects like it to be like a, a quick fix. Like, yes, all your problems are gone mm-hmm. now. We passed like we passed legislation. Congratulations, yeah. we did it. Done. But it, I, I very much agree with you. In t- it does It's not a quick fix. It's not like a, people aren't going to become unhomophobic just because like the Supreme Court has, just, <laughs> yeah. has deemed it. Because it's like there are I don't even know how many people in this country. I was going to throw out a number in the millions. Lots. One point one billion is it? We don't fact oh, check on this podcast. Of,
2: like. Yeah.
1: But it does. Feel no, like, don't. It feels like a what is it? Like an Eden or like a like a Utopia. Like um yeah. that's what you imagine it's going to be like once you have been working so hard to like get this legislation passed. Mm-hmm. And then it passes and it's like, okay, well, should be perfect. It's not perfect. What next? And now with all the yeah. stuff going on in Florida, it's like, oh, this is what's next. It's like in a complete reversal of everything that we've been working so hard for.
2: There's that incredible uh, documentary on Netflix called Disclosure that came out a couple of years ago that that chronicles the the full history of trans representation in film. It's incredibly essential educational uh, resource, um, especially for folks who maybe don't know trans people and and it was why did i bring this up um oh oh because they were because they were saying they say early on in that piece about the that visibility equals backlash you know that like b- both mm-hmm. things that you're describing are going to exist in tandem that the more progress we make the more uh enraged or or uh, entrenched or uh angry certain people will be about it um and we have to we have to have confidence that that that, that is an, an ever shrinking voice. Um, But, you know, but then whatever happens with legislation, whatever happens with the, I mean, we, you know, we need, we need art more than ever before. Now that we see all of the failings and imperfections of, um, of politics and of our political leaders, you know, like we need, we need to keep building a world that, that where we are exercising people's muscles for compassion.
0: I think I have the philosophy in, in film where, because in life violence and prejudice is so senseless. Um, I think it needs to be justified in film. I've just seen, mm-hmm. I, when I was getting my my master's in screenwriting, I was working as a script development supervisor. So whenever students would have scripts that they wanted to get made, they would have to work with me first to to workshop the script, get it into a good space before they could just like spend thousands of dollars to make it. And too often... I had largely guys coming in to meet with me who had like rape scenes, sexual assault scenes, violence against women, these like female characters who often didn't have names, just experiencing violence for the sake of violence. And it got really exhausting really quickly, feeling like I had to justify safety for female characters.
2: Yeah, God.
0: Yeah. So it's like, it's obviously like if you're telling that kind of story and need to utilize violence to make a point, sure. But on the whole, there's so much, there's so much joy. There's so much nuance. There's so much little itty bitty parts of existence that I think are interesting enough to justify a story without um, showcasing all of the violent parts as well
2: yeah yeah it's definitely or at the very you know and at the very least it's something that as one grows and death becomes real you know Mm -hmm. as you're like enough of an adult i mean some it can happen to people at any age but like now that i've now that there are a handful of people in my life who have actually died and thoughts of um mortality are more uh present somehow like I I do have a lot a much lower tolerance for um yes. senseless violence than uh than I did when I was a kid odd contrast because like as a kid like I was soaking up the slasher <laughs> movies you know because you know because there was a in a way there was a lot of like queer allegory kind of underneath mm-hmm. a, a lot of those as well there was a lot of this is a this could My
1: friend told me this the other day, so this we have not fact checked this at all. But like the and we refuse to (laughs) the silent killer in the '80s film is like is a reference to AIDS. Ring the silent killer of the '80s.
0: Oh, interesting! Wow,
2: you know I hadn't thought of that, but I wouldn't. You mean like Michael Myers in particular in Halloween? Yeah, the killers that don't speak, like all the ones that are like (sighs) because it's a silent with the mask. Yeah, the ones that
1: just come. I
2: like the sound of that. I mean, I, I. I want to sit with that for a minute, like thinking of Michael Myers as a, as a, as a metaphor for AIDS. I want to sit with that. I mean, I know that, I know that people were, John Carpenter was definitely, uh, um, having to sort of debate with a lot of people who thought that though, that his film Halloween, which then sort of sparked the endless copycats of, of a similar tone, Mm uh, were, were overly, um, puritanical in the sense that like, if you, if you have sex, you die, you know, Mm. um, I suppose, I mean, but I suppose that is, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's odd because that's like, like he, he, that was never his intention or the intention for the people making that movie, but maybe that's the pot calling the kettle. Maybe that's like the, the perspective that the people who would argue that point would have because, because it was, um, I mean, because that's certainly how the homophobic folks would talk about AIDS in the thick of it. It was like you all did this to yourselves because you had like awful, Mm. sinful, unsafe sex, and you you you've you've brought this on yourself, and you've brought it to us, you know. So, so um, I want that's a and that and that's 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 an incredibly like triggering, uh, you know, narrative that I'm glad that we've largely dispelled in most people. But I like but 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 thinking about the the queerness in the those in the slasher films that i would watch as a kid that i i mean did you do you guys know about um the second nightmare on elm street Freddy's revenge i've never watched any of them because no. that me. is gay that movie is gay <laughs> there is a
0: in what ways
2: there is a documentary called scream queen scream yeah. comma queen yeah, like, yeah, like, like, like like queen queen you better scream like it's like about um about that film and it's Mm -hmm. uh it's gay I mean you like literally like there's this and I and I was turned on by this I was like aroused by these things (laughs) as a kid like when you're a kid and you don't know that you're gonna see like some some ass and then you do and it's like holy oh my god that was ass you know when you're like a, a a gay like about to be a pubescent boy and it's like there there is literally like a dream sequence where like the lead boy first of all because it's a boy it's like a lead guy mm. instead of a instead of like the the final final girl boy the it's mm-hmm. a final boy and so like it was already this adjustment of like oh do we can we follow like a sensitive male protagonist like this who's because those films all have the I mean, the whole like somebody chasing after you with a knife and usually it's the final girl, it's a woman who survives at the end, like all of that feels like it's big metaphor for, uh gender dynamics and patriarchy in society and like the violence of the phallus that is the knife in the person's it's hand so the penile. To, it's so penile it's so <laughs> penis there's so much penis <laughs> and you want that when you're and like and I, I think I watched those movies despite the violence because they were the mm. only movies that that as a as a young young person I could potentially see some penis or some dude's ass like uh and I would be like allowed to to watch it, you know. But Nightmare 2, there's a dream sequence where the lead boy, like, goes to a leather bar. Like, in, like, a dream, oh. and a nightmare, like, goes to a leather bar, and his his, like, PE coach, his, like, sports at school, like, coach is there with, like, no shirt on and, like, a black leather, like vest situation and he like takes him back to the school for (gasps) some kind of like confrontation or something and they're like in the showers and then suddenly like the freddy monster that the boy is carrying like sort of emerges and the coach gets like tied up completely naked like strung up with these like these these ropes up to the the shower and like these like Howls that are like flying telekinetically, or like spanking his ass like over and over again before he like makes <laughs> him up with his kinky. Oh, 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 it is gay. It is kinky. Gay. Like Freddie's tongue is like coming out of like the kid's mouth, and there's a, there's a snake that's a phallic. Eek. It, but What's Everything like? is. What do you say? So what, what, what's the name of this movie? Freddy 2? It's, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Yeah. It's campy as can be. It's ca- and also, like, the the lead boy is, like, constantly, like, waking up terrified in bed, like, in his underwear, soaking wet, you know? And yeah. that feels very, like, it's both erotic and also it also kind of echoes the... the, the well the well the 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 experience of the age generation no of like boys being oh, boys like sweating profusely in their beds you know and um and that actor eventually decided to leave hollywood because he was um realizing that he was he was uh, going that everybody was telling him you have to be closeted if you want to have a career and he was like i'm all of my friends are dying right now like it feels so awful to to be told you you can't be yourself right now when if anything there was a uh, a need to be very much ourselves to try to get people the healthcare that they needed. And the
0: well, that's what them. I found interesting about this topic too, because I think in my my mind, the '90s feel very categorically straight, whereas like mm-hmm. the '70s and '80s, I'm like, that's gay, that's mm-hmm. queer, mm-hmm. that's where you mm-hmm. have this like Freddie Two like dream sequence ballet. That's where you have these grand stage movie mm-hmm. musicals, and the '90s I think of as like throwing somebody in a locker because they looked at you weird.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's both. I feel like all of it existed kind of both. I mean, I mean, you know, the mm-hmm. 80s was Ronald Reagan and the 90s was Bill Clinton. So sure. It was, it was a, although, and Bill Clinton was not, like, a great ally to the gays, like, in those days. Like, I, to the extent that his party is now, like it it was, there was some problematic legislation on for our community Mm -hmm. uh, then for sure. But it was, but, but not as, I mean, the nineties it's That's the thing. It it feels like the nineties was, I mean, when we were living in it, everybody on all the like, Talk shows. Everybody was always like, "This is the '90s," which meant like, "This is the modern era," which meant this is like the era (laughs) of. That's what it meant at the time. This is like you know, and and it was in the context of all things to do like women's liberation. With there was so many like arenas where it was like, "We're this is the end of the century. This is an era of great progress and change," and it, and and it maybe felt like that to some degree at the time. And then you look back on it, and it's like piecemeal. Like there's the there's mm-hmm. the there's the moment in my my TV pilot where we're talking about when I came out to my father and he told me to be Will instead of Jack. And I was
0: just about to mention it. I'm like, I think that the, is such a summation of this exact phenomenon you're describing.
2: Yeah. He said be Will instead of Jack, which was both like it was the balance of like, this is extraordinary that there is a show like Will and Grace that is on TV that has been so like seminal and revolutionary and essential for um moving the needle forward for for queer visibility in in media and it was incredibly frustrating that that was basically the only reference point and that that my father's comment like was so uh binary you know and so mm-hmm. like femme shaming and so like and even at the time when I was like 14 and he said this there was the part of me that was like why can't I just be me like like why aren't there like a whole lot more reference points in our culture for what it is to be gay and how people who are gay can present themselves and 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 you and then have people who are similar be in the in movies and tv um so it was it was all of the above it was a time of like doing things we'd never done before and things that in retrospect, at least feel very like, yes, like you said, very consistent with like the bullies pushing you up against the locker. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> well, thank God it feels dated. Cause that means there's progress.
2: Yes. Ooh. Yes. Yes. And that, and it's yeah. very, it's so intense to think like I'm in my thirties. Like I want to live to be a hundred. I, I wa- I'm really fascinated to see what's going to make TikTok look like a gramophone you know it's like, oh totally what like both in terms of the technology and the, those kind of advancements that we're making but then also in terms of the the beauty of of the way humans are with each other and the world that we're that we're building like what is it gonna look like oh, i'm so eager dude it's fascinating and it's and hard to and it and it you got it, and then it's only like in the looking back that we can really know because, like, yeah. beat by beat, year by year, we're going to be very like, "Oh, this is inevitable." Like it, 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 it feels very inevitable and natural for me to have an iPhone. Like, but there was a time yeah. that I didn't. Like, but then you look back like decades, and it's like, "Wow, things have changed."
1: That's I'm like that's why I'm so fascinated, I guess, when seeing intergenerational um, interactions um, like mm-hmm. the, on the socials because it's like things that people do that are normal or like, oh my gosh, there was a video on that I saw. It was like um high school in the nineties. And um they were like, OMG, why do like uh, millennials are like boomers still dress like this? And it's or, like this I associated this side with like old people. And it's like, yeah, you mm-hmm. associated with old people because like the people you're still wearing the same style like essentially that you were when you like found your style, I guess. I just like seeing like what we do now that's gonna be weird in five, ten years. Uh, yes i want
2: i i'm i'm i've been having like a benjamin button situation with fashion i mean i was i was i was the middle school kid who would wear the three-piece suit who oh would my wear god the vest with the tie like sticking out too far below it and the because i had mm-hmm. no idea how to be a kid i had no idea how to dress like a kid It's adorable i think a lot of my youth i was i i had i'm trying to think now of like what other influences from film the like the I don't know, romanticizing, you know, like DiCaprio in Titanic with his corduroys, you know, or the yeah. or the, the dead the Dead Poet Society kids. I mean, that's another that's another reference point that I look they at. They
1: are my like, style icons, I'll say that. That that <laughs> style,
2: and also like that's another reference point that it's like, this 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 is a little gay. This is I feel like I was I I was a gay boy, like looking for lovers as a teenager who who were like those boys, you know, like that mm. was the reference point that you didn't see actually being gay like enough um I don't know what I mean when I say that though just I mean I like people to sit around and read poetry with I mean like there's a dead poet society <laughs> reference in my in my tv pilot too um but But I was but I was wearing three piece suits as a kid and it was only like after college that I learned how to find jeans that fit me, you know,
1: Mm -hmm. I
2: think as a younger person, jeans always felt like they were a mom article of clothing. They were always (laughs) like too rectangular and too like not well fit to the body. And I felt like ridiculous in them and it was only when i became more sexually confident and more independent and more like into my 20s that i was like oh you can get jeans that are like skinny on the leg that taper down <laughs> to the ankle that look good on my ass like yes
0: yeah yes, the discovery queen. of skinny jeans has changed many lives <laughs> yes.
2: yes yes skinny jeans
0: and yeah <laughs> well i think it's time to move on to our last segment this has been such a gorgeous conversation i, I feel thank you it feels trite to end but as is the nature of podcasts one must end
2: no one must end
0: <laughs> our, our final segment is the valedictorian speech jamie were you ever a valedictorian of any student body in those three-piece suits
2: i do not recall that no yeah. something. That's okay,
0: listen neither of us were so it's like mm. you're in good company
2: It's okay. Mm
0: -hmm. But what we're going to do is we're going to take a moment now to give the valedictorian speech of our dreams and sort of acknowledge all the great academic progress we've made here today. Today. Mm -hmm. So without further ado, Alexi, do you have anything? Yeah, let's do it.
1: Yeah, take it away, girl. All you. Class of 2023. Ready? Ready? Is everyone ready (laughs) to go set the stage of our lives (laughs) to to see ourselves in one another and also in the world that we create for each other?
2: Mm -hmm. Isn't it
1: beautiful to live at the same time as everybody here, to experience everything at the same time here so that five years from now we can say, oh, my God, do you remember five years ago we did this and laugh and have that community and memory and also be like, I still do that um it's okay as long as you're being you freaking do it alexi out
0: (laughs) yes stunning okay people are weeping
1: i had nothing to back that i just was like i'm gonna play diana ross and that was the entirety of my valedictorian speech idea
0: girl if you had just played diana ross it would have been good enough (laughs) 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 next time next time i believe that firmly all right i'm ready okay i step to the podium. Class of 2023. We're here. We're graduates, but we wouldn't be in this position we're in if we didn't acknowledge all the things that brought us here, all the media that made us who we are, all of the little queer underlings of media that inspired us. That's right, I'm talking about Karen from Will and Grace. I'm talking about the entire cast of Green Acres, a show from the 60s that was on in the mornings when I was getting ready for school, that had these gorgeous, elegant women running around being absolutely insane. And in that existence, that is queer. And I saw that and I said, yes, I too would like to be an elegant woman who is a little bit crazy. I come to you, class of 2023, myself. Thank you. I am your valedictorian. Spelled E-N-N-E, like comedian. Like Anne with an E. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Jamie. You know how every school has three valedictorians?
2: Mm, (laughs) The time has come for the
0: third valedictorian speech. It is all you. Take it away.
2: Class of 2023, I will not presume to be able to ever surpass Diana Ross or Green Acres. (laughs) But I'm thankful to have spent these last several years with you. And I am thrilled beyond measure to see the world that we're going to make together in the years to come. I am thrilled to stand by your side as we build a culture that accepts everyone for who they are that makes space for everyone to love as they love and to tell the stories that they want to tell and to tell their own stories i hope that we will find peace in this life that we will know at least as much joy as we will invariably know heartache and that whenever our time comes we will leave behind something uh much sweeter and brighter than what we found. So throw your caps in the air and and kick up your heels and let's go have a party.
1: Yes. Yes. Live, laugh,
0: love is love, is love. 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 A rose is a
2: rose is a rose is a rose (laughs) rose is a rose.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jamie, this was great. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for doing this. Thank you.
2: This was a joy. Oh, my goodness. So
0: great to finally meet you.
2: So great to finally meet you. Yeah.
0: Before we let you go, where can people find you on social media? Do you have anything you want to plug?
2: So uh, my social media, my Instagram is at James Patrick Nelson. Uh, My pilot's Instagram is at four underscore years, underscore Two underscore come. Um, That actually sounds very interesting when I say underscore in between, like those, each (laughs) of those words um, for underscore come. It's creative. Uh, Yeah. Um, Yes. my website is www.james-patrick-nelson.com um, and if this is coming out in september my tv pilot for years to come will be playing in new york city at the soho international film festival
0: check I it out i don't know the
2: date as of yet when this podcast comes out i probably will know the date but you can go to the soho international film festival's website to to find out when for years to come we will be playing at the Perfect. at the at the village in uh, the east village in new york
1: Ooh, i love new york great
2: <laughs> I love <it> too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and with that, that leaves only one thing left to say. Alexi, I love you.
1: Lucy, I love you. Bye. Bye.